All right, so uh, David Martin uh, came to the Blackheart to watch the match yesterday, and uh, we were hanging out and drinking beers. And as you all know, when Martin and I get together, uh, we tend to do a little bit of uh, shit gets weird. Um, so uh, I don't know, even remember how it came up, but um, I want to invite all of you to uh, my newest website, dudestouchingbutts.com. Um, the fact that that URL was still available. Uh, remarkable. <laughs> blows my mind that that URL was uh, was available. Um, and I bought it. Uh, and so then I posted a couple pictures last night of, of me and another dude touching butts. So uh, if you see me at a match and you want to uh, touch butts, uh, and let me take a picture of it to put it on the website. Uh, please, uh, please, please inquire within. I'll touch some butts. Live from the Black Carp St. Paul, we are the Daves you know, this is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Hell yeah. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Um, before we talk that, well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, the upcoming uh, uh, Matias Almeida's hair derby um, and uh, do a little bit of uh, how was your how was your weekends other than uh, other than uh, watching the match? It's not bad. Uh, took care of a friend's kid. I don't know if you guys know about this, but uh, two year olds are fucking exhausting. Yes. Exhausting. Yep. We uh, we took her to the zoo, which is awesome. Uh, which I'll, the Minnesota Zoo. Minnesota Zoo, which okay. I'll stand forever as being a great zoo. Yeah. But it's amazingly different when you go as like an adult, the adult night outs, go have a lot of fun, and when you take a kid, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal in its own way, because she was completely enthralled the entire <laughs> time. But uh, yeah, man, that's a that's a trip. Yeah. So watch out for that. I hear you have one on the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, he's uh, over, a little over one now. We took. We actually, when uh, my sister and brother-in-law were in um, uh, Cancun uh, over the summer in January, um, right after Ragnar's uh, first birthday, we got for his birthday we got a Minnesota Zoo membership, a like, household plus one, so we can actually bring like a grandparent or whatever, and so we get basically like three adults and a and a kid uh, anytime we want to go to the zoo. So my parents were watching my uh, my niece uh, who is six weeks younger than Ragnar. And uh, we said I had to go to the zoo. Well, if you think it's crazy and weird with like a two uh, two year old, um, it's even bonkers, more bonkers with uh, two one year olds. Um, luckily, neither of them could like walk yet, so like they're re- relatively self contained. Yeah, that's a saving grace. Yeah, um, you know, throw them in the stroller and they and they just they, they marvel at the animals. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, you know uh, my uh, toddler running around and uh, uh, checking out the zoo. MJ, how about you? Do you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Uh- we had uh, the Minnesota Sports Federation's Corec uh, uh, or Corec Broomball uh, State tournament was going on. Cool. If you guys didn't realize, MJ plays Broomball. He doesn't talk about it at all. Never. <laughs> all right. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the game. Um, as I said, preview San Jose. Uh, but first, um, I want to talk about Patreon. So, if you uh, saw, I think I was on Thursday. I finally. 
finally had the time. Uh, my uh, asshole kid uh, I took took a nap long enough for me to go into the Patreon, update our settings and everything. So we have now we have tiers uh, in the Patreon. Um, we have a three dollar tier, a six dollar uh, tier, and a twelve dollar tier. And uh, why we did that is because we are going to be giving you guys beer. Um, hooray beer! Um, hooray beer! So yeah, you can check out the new tiers. Um, we they each have a. a we're still, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what this all looks like. Um, for sure, at $3 a month, you're going to get um, one beer, uh, a bomber uh, of beer made by... So the, the dudes that run the At Hop Clouds Twitter account um, are... It's a really good guy uh, who is actually a food scientist uh, and really into making beer. Um, <clears throat> and he approached me with uh, and approached us with... Uh, this <clears throat> this idea. Um, so he's made a bunch. He's I've act, I, I've tasted uh, two or three of the different beers that he's made. They're all been very very good. So I'm really looking forward. Um, we're actually going to be doing a, uh, a launch release party um, next Saturday. Um, so uh, for the for the San Jose match, um, where he's going to bring some of the beers um, and uh, you'll be able to test out uh, little samplers of the different beers. And if you are already a Patreon member or you sign up that day at whatever level, um, we will give you a bomber uh, to take home with you that day. Um, I believe this first one's a Dopobach. Uh, I'm not 100% correct. That's like the, the most recent one that they made. Um, but he's got a, he'll have a few. Uh, and so, yeah, again, $3, $6, and $12. At $12, so basically right now as it, as it stands, $3 is going to get you a bottle of beer. Um, a bomber of, uh, of, of beer, whether it's this one now or you can maybe wait till later. The idea is we'll probably have a couple of maybe three different beers throughout the season. Um, so three different opportunities. At $6, you get two bottles of beer. Um, you could probably you could take both now or you could wait till this, to the, the next uh, beer. Um, and then at $12 a month, if you do a $12 a month, we're actually going to brew a, a Dave's I Know beer. And uh, we're going to have some input. And if you do up your uh, donation or start a Patreon donation at twelve dollars a month. Um, you're gonna get access to uh, to that beer, um, helping to you know make a help help us make some decisions about what that beer will be like, and that beer will be towards the end of the year. So um, if you want to wait till the very end of the year to help your monthly contribution of twelve dollars, cool. If you want to do it now um, to help us out, help pay for uh, equipment and things like that, um, we would really appreciate it. Um, Again, this is still a work in progress. Uh, if you have suggestions or input, um, please don't hesitate to reach out uh, to us, uh, preferably on Twitter. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, but visit patreon.com backslash the Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. All right. All that being said, um, let's talk about uh, what the hell just happened uh, with the Portland Timbers. Um, well, so I'll kick it off. Uh, we'll start off as we always have done with the best moment of the game. And uh, MJ, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what was your best moment of the game? Uh, my favorite moment of the game. Not the, favorite, best. The best moment of the game <laughs> was was the Luis Amaria to Molino to Ethan Finley and then Rainbow over his head back to Molino. All one touches for the goal. Yeah, that was that was pretty fantastic. Uh, Dan, what do you got? Yeah, that's a that's a standout moment for me as well. Uh, specifically with Molino's volley, definitely a little bit of luck in in Ethan's rainbow and hope. Um, <laughs> perfectly measured, don't get me wrong, but uh, he definitely rolled a twenty on his luck check on that. Yeah. Uh, but for Molino to finish it, it's just it was a perfectly sweet strike and Steve just one time to two. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Clark got a hand to it, but it just not nearly enough to keep it out. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I'm going to go with Luis Amaria's first goal. Um, specifically, uh, the run by Finley uh, was fantastic. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
His, cro his cross was absolutely perfect. Uh, and Luis Amaria, something that people didn't necessarily realize, and I, I didn't pick up until I was watching, uh, they were re uh, replaying the match on FS2 today, and uh, yeah, my dumb kid was taking a nap, so I was like watching the game. Um, and the run that uh, Amaria makes to get Asperia to like bite in, um, which right. allows, because I mean, that ball is, that header is, or that cross, well, great for specifically exactly what he needed to do. Um, most central defenders are going to get to that ball. It's, it wasn't, it wasn't very like, wasn't hit with much pace or anything like that, or with any weight whatsoever. It was a, just kind of a big old cross. Um, but Luis Amaria makes a run, uh, sort of towards the center, towards like the middle of the goal, and then just at like the last split second, like cuts out. Then Finley hits that ball, and then uh, Asprey was out, totally out of, um, totally out of position to play that ball. It's really remarkable with how little time uh, the Loons have all had together, how on the same page uh, Amaria and Finley are. Those two have a really, really good understanding, and it showed even in the preseason. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch this season if they continue to be really intuitive with each other and, and co make complimentary runs that way. And there's a, few, there's a few other ones in the first half, too. I mean, the, the first, let's, we don't have to talk about the first 20 minutes of the first half. Because um, it was pretty poor, um, but the uh, there was a few runs towards the end of the, of the first half where um, Amarillo got uh, on the uh, end of crosses, um, which we know this team for some godforsaken reason loves to fucking cross the ball in the air. And if we actually have a guy like Amarillo who can actually finish those, um, Aikopara uh, to his credit got on a few of those as well and just just you know missed it or skied it. But there's one in particular I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was in the, like I want to say it was like in the 30th minute or whatever, where Amaria got on the ball, got on it, and, and hit it over the net and just was furious with himself and frustrated. And that is a good sign. The guy who knows that he can uh, make those that connection and he can finish those crosses to be upset with himself for not actually finishing it. Any, anything else stand out for uh, best moments for you other than what we had what we talked about? Uh, Tyler Miller had some great saves and yeah. I, uh, also things that people don't see necessarily on the highlights, but Iko Parra distributing one ball up to Finley, uh, Jan Gregus distributing another, both springing the counter perfectly that led to goals. You know, th there are a lot of things that those back six players do uh, that deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, very, under very underrated. Yeah, yeah. Gregus had, by advanced metrics, the best passing weekend of any player in MLS, That's and... Tough. It didn't look like he was playing out of his skull. It looks like we're finally starting to see that young Gregish, and uh, God, he makes a big difference for this team. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's good. Obviously, that's like that's important. Um, all right, so let's talk about the worst moment of the game. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'll just go. I don't really have necessarily a specific moment. Uh, perhaps um, I thought this. Uh, I would say the first half, and especially the first half of the first half. Yes, that first twenty minutes uh, was was particularly bad. Um, it was just. It looked like. You know, 2018 Minnesota United, very discombobulated. Um, passes were just being intercepted. Uh, there was no, didn't appear to be any sort of rhyme or reason as to um, how and why they were passing the ball the, the way they were. So uh, I don't have a specific moment in there. Obviously, we, we you know, the I, you could throw on um, Aikopara uh, conceding the penalty, but that was a really soft pen as far as I'm concerned. So I don't necessarily think that was a worse moment. MJ? There are so many things that I could nitpick on, and it's hard because it's a win, and it's a win that feels really good on the road. But there are these little things that, as a fan and as a tactician, that you see year after year. And one of those things for me is set pieces. And there were some set pieces where I was like, oh, here's a corner kick where we actually have some movement. Like we have 
a stack or a vertical, uh, horizontal line or a vertical line of players that are trying to cut to different places and com confuse defenses. And there were other ones where we did nothing but bunch up. We had no plan. You know, there's a free kick, a corner kick. We got a bunch of players all in a huddle, attracting a set of defenders all in a huddle, and none of them are cutting to different places to create space for each other. None of them are making routes that open up lanes or open up any uh, spaces for headers or anything. And so that sort of lack of movement on set pieces or lack of plans really, really frustrates me. For me, it was uh, not the penalty that was called, but the one that wasn't. Uh, that first half miscommunication between Ike Opara and uh, Tyler Miller, all of a sudden the ball's just sort of sitting in the middle of the goal. And honestly, if I was going to call one penalty and not call the other, I would not have called the one on Ike. And we'll go into exquisite detail on that here coming up. Uh, but I, I probably would have given that penalty on Miller. He doesn't win the ball. He takes out the man. Um, that to me, like, that was one of the, the only moments where I was flashing back to previous Loon squads where it's like, are, this feels like an all-star team except without the talent. You don't have any of the communication and all of you are actually not that good. Um, so that, yeah. and it happened so early in the game, it really had me sweating that this was going to be a really rocky start. But uh, they got it figured out, so credit to them on that. Yeah. But that was that was a bad moment. For sure, for sure. Let's talk about the, because that is my most what the fuck moment. Um, also, just the absolutely terrible defending by Portland in the second half uh, was bonkers. But let's talk about the, the, that decision and then the referee specifically. Um, he, yeah, you're right. Like that, that was probably a more clear penalty than um, uh, what's his nuts falling over at. Like I could probably put his like his arm in his back or whatever, um, tripping over his own feet. But I think both teams really were uh, frustrated with the with the way the Ismail was it Ismail Elfaf yeah, was it, calling. So that's my, my what the fuck moment of the game is all centered around or what the fuck moments is all centered around uh, Ismail Elfaf as as this as the center ref, and you know he didn't make that call that I thought he should have on Tyler Miller, and we'll get to more of my takes on that later. But he didn't make that call. He does make the Ike call, which is gray area for me. It could go either way. I thought it was really weak. Uh, it looked like both uh, Mora and and was it Mora? I believe number, so. Yeah. Number nine. Yeah. Mora and Ike had their arms entangled in each other. They both looked like they were kind of grabbing each other's jerseys or using another person to try to maintain balance. And more importantly, Mora looked way off balance and falling down before Ike went in to try to jab the ball out of his feet he had just stood on the ball in fact yeah. like yeah. he he had one foot on the ball and one foot on the ground when yeah. i pushed him so he yeah. was definitely not well balanced yeah so anyway but uh, there was that off offside call that portland fans are just hugely upset about that you know was very very close so a lot of controversy and and more more than that i saw a lot of tweets today from loons fans claiming that the ref refing was really one-sided against us, against, against Minnesota United, which I would have to disagree with. Uh, don't get me wrong, you could make a claim that there were some calls that went against, against us, but more, more often, I, I think, you know, Timbers fans come away with this thinking, man, we could have drawn 3-3. Yeah, for sure. Dan? At which point, Bill would have been right, because that was his prediction from last week. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the weird refereeing moment to me was early in, this, in the first half, uh, Portland was uh, heading out on a counter and Metnair broke it up. Uh, professional foul, he ran into the guy decently hard. Definite yellow card, I have no problem with a call. 
but the camera pans to Elfath and he go, he looks at uh, Metanair and he says, you were this close, like an inch close to a red. And that makes no sense to me. Like it was a clear yellow, but come on. I mean, and Portland had three or four was this, of this. Was this already when he was on his yellow or no, that was when he that was got before? His yellow, oh, okay. When he got his yellow. Oh, okay. And there were three or four fouls that were the exact same. And he usually gave a yellow for it. Yeah. But I didn't, like, it was just baffling to me that he would tell Metanair, like, oh my gosh, that was totally out of control. It's like, nope, that's that's just a foul to break up the counterattack. And yep, you give a yellow for it and everybody walks away. So that was yeah. the one that caught me a little bit strange. He just, I, I don't even necessarily know that he had a bad game. He just had a very strange game with what he was choosing to like single out as, as calling fouls. He played a couple of weird advantages that I didn't feel were advantages. So... It's his first game of the season, too, and I've seen enough of his games to know that this is a solid referee. So I'm not, you know, going to say, oh, we should we should be starting a letter writing campaign to pro to get him <laughs> relegated to USL championship. I thought he was very consistent in the sense that he was trying to control the game and he was calling things very, very tight. So a lot of the what was perceived as Portland's diving or Portland going down easy or embellishments were being rewarded. And once Minnesota United kind of figured that out, and they started going down or whatever. They started getting yellows or, or foul called call their way. So, Yeah, my, my what the fuck moment of the game, though, was uh, the opening 20 minutes, which isn't so much a moment as 20 of them. Um, but good, Portland, good, good math. <laughs> I'm really good at math. Man. No matter what every teacher I've ever had has told you. I'm really uh, bad at math. Uh, Portland put their game plan out there in public. We knew exactly what they were going to do. They were going to press. They were going to make United work. They were really going to try to turn the ball over in the attacking third. And lo and behold, in the first 20 minutes of the game, they did that. And it looked like United had no blessed clue it was happening. There was no plan for breaking the press. Uh, there was really, really poor triangle work. And so this is where you just consistently get a ball out to the wings, whether it was Metanair or Gasper, and all of a sudden they're looking for a next pass and it doesn't exist, and they're turning that ball over. Yeah. Or it's up with Grey Goosh and Alonzo, and they're going back and forth with each other, but they can't progress the ball at all. And that was so frustrating to me. Like, if Portland had come out and we didn't know they were going to press, and then all of a sudden, which they didn't do a lot of last year, all of a sudden, like, bam, game one, totally new game plan. You go, oh, okay, well, that's, wow, we were not prepared for that, and they, they adapted and kind of got it figured out from there. But we, we knew. They told, yeah. the, they told the press, the, the media press, not the game <laughs> not press. Not the press press. Not the press press. They told the media press exactly what they were going to do and then did it. And what happened in the second half was it turns out Portland didn't have their legs under them quite yet. Yeah. Um, Yimi Chara is a perfect example of this. In the first 20 minutes, I thought he was going to ruin us. He was dispossessing players. He was making really aggressive passes. And it looked like he just wasn't quite fit to press for the full 90. But man, for that time that they, they had the energy and they had the vibe, they looked like they were going to turn United over every time they got within, not even the, the center line, the center circle. Yeah. So that's a, that was a what the fuck moment of, we really needed a better game plan. I mean, credit to the Loons for figuring it out, but man, it, it's really not at all hard to imagine that we got two minute, 20 minute, 25, instead of being nil nil, being down at least one nil and probably two. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the team did what Adrian Heath wants this team to do, which is sit back, absorb pressure, and counter. Um, you know, that is the that's the thing that I just I don't understand why team like teams haven't figured out like give Minnesota the ball. They don't know what the fuck to do with the ball. Like if you give them more than like. 
10 seconds out. Like, they're not, I, they have not, this team has never uh, been incisive and, like, we'll, like, we'll cut teams up if they have possession. In fact, actually, I feel like every time we win the possession battle, we lose the match. So it's exactly what, but to your point, um, we got to have a better game plan for when someone's going to put that high press on us, which is going to happen again uh, this week and has happened in the past. And, like, we've, you know, San Jose games last year are a great example of, like, we, you know, did well with, against a high press. I Maybe it's just, it's it's possible. It's just, you know, rust, as you mentioned, like, still not having played together. But, I mean, other than the fact of Amaria and Miller, like, all those guys in the, the middle guys in the box, all, those nine guys have all been play, played together all last year for, you know, a not insubstantial amount of time. I think with Lude being the... The one who only played like ten or he played ten or eleven games last year. Yeah, I think all those, all those, all those other guys played together all last year. So like, I don't think you, know, you might say Russ, but I think that's a, it is Russ. That's a really shitty, it's really shitty. Yeah, and one of the things that we'll talk about this more as we preview it. But one of the things that the team did really effectively last year against San Jose in both games was the center backs pressed up really high. Uh, remember Boxall absolutely storming down and scoring his probably the only goal he scored with his feet last year was. Like a 35-yard run from yeah. midfield all the way down. <coughs> uh, Stuff of legends, man. Yeah, absolutely. And Calvo, I think, scored in the, the first game. He did, yeah. And, uh, so, you know, maybe maybe it was something where Ike wasn't totally fit. Well, he hasn't. Uh, he's the one who hasn't played. He's played, like, what, 40 minutes in the preseason? Yeah, so. something like that. And this was, and, and we can kind of, we'll get to this in the Freddie Adu section. This was Ike's worst game as a loon. He did not look comfortable back there. And he's such a consummate player that he still played decently well. Yeah. But, you know, and this was always going to come. We were always going to get a game where Ike was just off, whether it was for health reasons or anything else. You know, you can't expect a guy to play, you know, 35, 60, 70, 100 matches without having a blip here and there. And this was definitely a blip for him. Right. I think it's a testament to the rest of the team that outside of the penalty, they didn't concede anything else, and they completely wrapped around him. That Boxel had one of his best games supporting Ike the way we're used to seeing Ike support Boxy. Yeah. And they didn't have a like a stupid blundered bonehead moment like they like they have in the past. Like the one the one big um, other than the the non the non penalty call where they sort of let the ball sort of like skid into like the front of goal, um, you know that was the one that they had and they didn't they weren't that they didn't get you know the other team didn't capitalize which is again something that we you know we saw a lot last year there's still a few times where it happened, um, but you know this team in 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 2017 and 2018 vintages you'd have three or four of those a game and the team seemed to like every single team seemed to score like 75 percent of the time on those goal on those uh, those defensive miscues so. Um, <clears throat> Let's jump into the next Freddie Do for the star of the game. Uh, and uh, MJ, who do you have? Um, I'm going to go with Jan Gregush. Okay. Because he worked so well at springing the counterattack, one in particular that led, led to one of our goals, and basically both on the defensive end and on the offensive end. He had one little spot that I saw where he, he did not track an attacker well that led to a, a, a de some de decent chance for Portland. But for the most part, he was really solid both directions. Um, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> I'm going to give it to Kevin Molino. Um, I think, you know, when you score two goals uh, and I, uh, uh, almost, you get, like, the hockey assist on the other one, uh, that's a pretty goddamn good game, um, especially for uh, playing. You know, Kevin Molino is playing as – 
played it as a 10 last night, and there was a lot of actually, I noticed when I was rewatching it today, <laughs> there's a lot of overlap, like, of, uh, of switching between Molino, Lude, and Finley. Like, there was, I actually saw for a while, there was like Finley was on the left and Lude was on the right. So, and I know Molino was playing all over the place. Um, he, I mean, granted, like, those are like true crazy opportunities. Like, that first goal uh, where Lude runs, you know, right into Steve Clark, and Clark doesn't, doesn't keep the ball and, and just it, like skirts out and fucking Kevin Molino's right there just to pop it in uh, with a brilliant with a gorgeous chip by the way but like goal scorers like you need to do that you need to pounce on opportunities and then the second one as Dan uh, mentioned earlier it was an absolutely gorgeous volley again a little bit of luck well a lot a fucking t- a fuck ton of luck um, with Finley and, and that popping the ball over like that like that probably lands to Molino one other time out of 100, so maybe two out of 100 times. As, um, as soon as that ball popped up and, and Jan Gregus could see the trajectory of it, something uh, Bruce McGuire pointed out was, was that Jan Gregus put his arms up in the air <laughs> but before it even landed in, in Molino's halo. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, so I got to give it to the guy who uh, scored two, had a hockey assist on the third, and, uh, and was almost a player of the week this year. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. So, Dan, uh, I know you had a uh, particular – the fact that it's Finlay from you after ch- chatting with you last night and uh, earlier today – it's pretty, yeah, pretty amazing. This is heartbreaking for me. Not because I don't love Ethan Finlay. I mean, this dude works super hard, but he just exhausted the hell out of me at the end of last season. He had so many chances that he blew. And up until like the 50th, 55th minute, I was all prepped for this. Kevin, uh, Ethan Finley is the wasteful winger that you think Robin Lude is. And then the last 40 minutes of the game, he completely tears Portland up. Uh, <laughs> totally redeemed himself. Totally redeemed himself. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, look, you got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, in that play where he rainbow chips the ball to Molino, yeah, it's a it's a one in a hundred chance that he lands it as perfectly as he did. Here's the flip side. That was the only ball he could play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Like, unless you play it back to... But that's there's still Portland players there. And so Chara, so yeah. uh, Chara was pulling off Molino, and that was the reason Molino was so open. But it was to close off the backside of Finley. So if he had played it back to to a trailing runner, Chara would have intercepted it. Portland sure. would have turned around. So to have that recognition of I'm totally hemmed in. I'm not where I want to be. I'm gonna play an aggressive, interesting ball instead of just conceding possession. That's awesome. Uh, the uh, the ball into Amaria. We I mean, we talked about the goal, so we won't totally rehash it, but. Amaria makes the unbelievable run, and Finley puts an inch-perfect cross on his head. Amaria could have gone bullet header. He could have gone down the way he did. So to give the attacking player that option is the sign of a really, really uh, in-sync partnership. Yeah. The one thing he did that uh, did frustrate me was on Lude's uh, not-quite-goal, the one Steve Clark. Steve Clark got his hand to almost every decent chance Minnesota had. He just and couldn't keep most of them out. Yeah, and he had a... Uh, Pretty, he had an interesting game. He yeah, he really did because he had made some good saves and he got to a lot of balls. But like that spill to, for the Molino first goal, um, probably should have uh, saved Amaria's header. I mean that that down getting a bounce right before that that's tough. But you know it, it did kind of squirt through his uh, like five hole. So it, it did. I mean I would still say he had a good game because the chances yeah. United made United made him save were exceedingly difficult. Now you can say somebody, you know, a really, really tier one keeper maybe makes those saves. And, and you know, Clark was that guy last year, but uh, yeah. the one save he did make was on Lude and Finley was a step slow at the back post. And at nil-nil, I was so frustrated. I was like, make the second run for the love of God, man. Yes. But then it, make triangles. Make triangles. But uh, 
I, I really can't say a crossword. I think he played an incredible game. He definitely benefited from the fact that Portland's fullbacks basically lost their mind and ended up in some very, very weird positions. But you know what? Like, this is not a league of 100% perfect teams where every team's going to play at the 100% level, may the best team win. Like, you're going to get opportunities to beat another team, and you have to take it. So, yeah, we can, we can say, and I totally agree, Steve Clark should have smothered that first shot. But all of a sudden, that ball's on the ground. And in 2017 and 2018, the Loons don't have a following runner to put that ball in. And it's so frustrating because it goes down, not even as a big chance. It's just a, this would have been a chance if someone had been there. Yeah. And now not only is that runner there, it's Molino and he's putting it in. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's stay with you, Dan, for the next Friday. You alluded to it. The next Friday do for the shittiest player of the game. Yeah. I Honestly, I never thought any of us would be saying this. It's Ike. It's Ike Opara, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, guy who didn't play a ton in the preseason, uh, came out and played like a guy who maybe should have played some more minutes. Do we ever figure out why he didn't play much in the preseason? The club never really gave us a solid reasoning for that. I mean, we heard things like doesn't want to play on, doesn't want is, is unkind. Uh, we don't want him to play on turf because it's bad on his body. We've heard that a million times. It's a pretty valid excuse. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with them. Like, putting... Putting extra miles on Ike's knees when you don't have to, and Ozzy Alonso, as, as a, 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 for that matter as well, like is probably a good thing. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, it just seems, yeah, it just seems off. But I, and I think maybe the team was thinking, hey, these guys, you know, we're bringing back the entire same back line. They played together. They don't need to gel. Um, it'd be probably one thing if it was like they had a new, he had a new center back partner or whatever. But I think they probably just assumed like, oh yeah, no, he's played with them. He, they know the, they know the rhythms. They know uh, they can, you know, read each other. Their runs and stuff they're making, but clearly it seems like he was uh, he was a little, uh, a little yeah step behind the or a little bit behind the eight ball. Well, and the one player that he had a miscommunication with was the new player. That was yeah. it was Tyler Miller and the the admittedly extremely soft penalty. But you've seen them given if that was yeah. the, the opposite situation, and United had gotten a penalty there, I'd be defending it to the dead. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, can't, you can't knock a guy <laughs> over like that. I mean, in truth, MJ's right. This is a, a big gray area. Yeah. Um, but you, you can't give the referee the ability to give penalties away like that. So, I, so, I mean, look, do I expect Ike Opara to all of a sudden go from DPOI and MLS best 11 selection to huge, massive liability who gives up one and a half penalties? No, God, no. I expect him to be better next week. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable to have him in this section. And I think it's a testament to the Loons that they shrugged off the fact that their best player was their best player overall was their worst player on the day and still won by two goals. Cool. MJ, who do you got? I have the other center back. I have Mike, Michael Boxall. And although he had a great game in a lot of respects, there was that one moment. And I don't blame Tyler Miller for this because that penalty that was not called a penalty in the, or a foul in the box that was not called as a foul in the box, I don't blame that on Tyler Miller. Tyler Miller never should have had to come out there. Ethan Dinelli made this great back run to steal the ball from an someone attacking down Portland's left side, and he passes it back, and he's trying to pass it back to Ike Opara. Now, you can blame it on Finley, you can blame it on Opara. That connection was missed. He passes behind Ike Opara, and he's scrambling to get the ball. Their number nine, Mora, gets the ball. But when Mora made that run to get the ball, do you know who didn't track with him? Michael Boxall. Michael Boxall just turns around and watches Ike scramble and try to get, catch up to him when he was the closest defender to Mora before he started that run. And so, again, that should have kept outside of the six-yard box. And 
Tyler Miller never should have to come and interact with that ball whatsoever. Cool. Um, <clears throat> not to sound like a broken record, but I'm just going to go with Adrian Heath uh, for not even having Thomas Chacon in the fucking 18. Um, I just don't. I just don't. Under, I don't. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand. And uh, I don't want to get on a, a five-minute Heath Heath out rant because um, ultimately, like the game plan that they had worked. Um, was it not? It was not great for the first twenty minutes. But I, I don't think that is necessarily on Heath. Other than like you need to have your team uh, pumped up and ready to go. And you know, maybe there was it was a little lacking there. But I think it was a lot of the players just were not performing up to snuff. I don't. I don't think. I think what he was trying to do was right and made sense for for the occasion. Um, but you also got to have your guys ready to go no matter what. And we have. I don't. I just I'm, don't understand um, this. What he does and, and how he thinks uh, and. I guess the best question is who is he going to vote for in the Re- Republican primary tomorrow? If he were if you were a legal uh, a legal resident of the of the or a citizen in the um, Republican primary? Oh, he's a to- he, he's, oh, he's, he's, a, he's a Tory through and through, hundred percent. Got fuck Garen fucking T. Um, uh, Still, he's not voting in the primary. Like that's just a waste of time. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but anyways, I, I just I just don't understand why we we, we this massive investment. That we have in this 18-year-old kid um, who looked pretty good in the preseason, like didn't look bad, didn't look out of sorts, uh, and he's not even making the 18, uh, the game to 18. So um, I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, we're not gonna talk anymore about Adrian Heath at least today. Um, yeah. So let's talk about other United news. Um, so I, as I mentioned, Molino came in second place for Player of the Week. Um, he and Finley were both named to the Team of the Week, and uh, Dane St. Clair was recalled from San Antonio. Uh, for the match, as uh, uh, Greg Rajit Singh was actually, I think, in Canada uh, for a meeting to get his green card, to, which, is, which is great. Um, there was a uh, I will not name I will not name him, uh, but a uh, another local uh, Minnesota soccer podcaster who uh, was going off, and I'm not sure if he was being serious or if he's being facetious, um, who went off and, and basically was like, "Why the hell do we not bring Fred Emmings?" Like. Why we call Dean Sinclair from San Antonio? We have Fred Emmings, to which uh, there's a. I'm in a few different soccer slacks, and um, uh, one of them just we just just let, legging the guy up because like because yeah, the guy that you wouldn't even let play in the preseason, you're gonna throw him on the fucking game day 18. Like and then of course like Tyler Miller would get hurt and he'd be playing his first professional fucking game as a 16 year old, having never played up uh, any professional soccer with Minnesota United. So. Good luck with Diego Valeri. Yeah, shit. if you are if you are uh, if you are making those takes on Twitter, please stop. They are they are stupid, and we will make fun of you for them on this very fun podcast. So, and then MJ, you had another you had something else too, right? Well, this is I don't think he signed with the club. So, no. Lamar Batista, the the trialist for club. For those that are like to follow, you know, where are they now? I don't know where he is is now, but he's going to celebrate his twenty second birthday this Saturday. Congratulations to Lamar Batista. Worth noting, if he's turning 22, he already had his trial with the club. I sort of wonder if he'll sort of come back around in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, maybe catch on with uh, the Mingos or uh, another uh, USL League One team. He looks solid at fullback. So, Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Um, we need to refresh our beverages, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the San Jose uh, earthquakes. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want Back. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, tactical schmatical, um, the upcoming match against the San Jose uh, Wondolowskis, and uh, who's good, who sucks, how should you play them. Um, but first off, we're going to bet this. Um, or I'll give you the lines, so let you know. San Jose, as of right now, San Jose is minus 110 to win. Uh, Minnesota is plus 260, and a draw is plus 280. Uh, the over-under is three goals, uh, with the over being minus 105, the under being minus 115. Um, I just figured out in Bovada, you can go and, like, if you click on the game, they give you all, like, just a shit ton of, of other potential odds, like team to score first, uh, how many goals are going to be scored, all that. So um, this might eventually turn into a uh, MLS gambling podcast, which, uh, you know, or my spinoff podcast. Um yeah, mlsgambling.com, dudestouchingbutts.com. Maybe I'll just make turn dudestouchingbutts.com into a uh, MLS handicapping website since there's like none of those exist in the in the universe. I just want you to make enough money on that that you can buy one of those temporary tattoos that boxers wear, <laughs> so that some like fucking welterweight goes out there with dudes touching butts just like right across his <laughs> chest. Um, pay a fucking lot of money for it, but it'd be worth it. Yeah, speaking of dudes touching butts, uh, if you. Uh, uh, are a designer and want to design a logo for me for free, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> May have a little bit of that Patreon cash. Anyways, uh, let's talk about San Jose. Um, we'll start off with the who's good as we normally do. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Uh, I was surprised when I looked this up. Uh, Nick Lima is only 25. Uh, for some reason, he's a player who feels like he's been around a little bit longer than that. Um, and I feel like this is true of guys who, who get into the, the U.S. men's national team early. Uh, and Lima is definitely one of those guys. Uh, but he is just 25. He's their uh, right side fullback, can play on the left if he needs. But uh, Nick's really solid, really, really strong defensively, gets into the attack quickly, uh, decent crosser of the ball. But more than that, he's dangerous shooting in and of himself. So uh, he'll definitely look to be cutting inside against the defense. And uh, whichever side he's on, I mean, he'll probably be going up against Metonaire. Metonaire really, really needs to keep inside control on him. Force yeah. that fucker outside. Yeah. MJ, who do you got? Uh, if those that haven't seen the highlights, uh, a guy who, his first time I saw his name, because shitty standards in the USA for printing people's names from other cultures, they don't require accents and diacritical marks. I thought it was Alanis. It's not Alanis. It's Alanis. So you uh, really thought this guy was the jagged little pill. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, I thought he had one hand in his pocket or something like that. And, but... You know, besides that, it's Alanis, and Alanis had this great free kick that just curves in, huge golasso. It was very, very impressive, super fun to watch. So, you know, wouldn't it be ironic if, you know, he does that again against us? Yeah, I, I'm going to have to go. I mean, a, 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 a familiar face, a familiar name to Minnesota fans is because he just blows dudes' shit up is Magnus Eriksson. Um, I think it'd be yes. great if every team had a Magnus Eriksson, except, you know, good and we'll talk about that in a hot second here um <clears throat> i'm just gonna point out two younger kids christian espinosa um and uh jackson ewell um christian espinosa actually had a really great game on uh saturday against Toronto. ewell did not have as good of a game um but he's a minnesota kid uh you know definitely gonna want to show up uh, minnesota for passing him over uh in the draft where we drafted Abdul- babu danladi we, we got the local kid we could have had it we could have had a local kid we did not um but jackson ewell as a midfielder and christian espinosa as a midfielder uh, have been uh, uh, you know, fairly good, especially in the in the system that um, uh, Matisse Almeida likes to play. So those are a couple guys to watch out for. Uh, who sucks? I'm going to start with uh, um, 
I don't know what San Jose did in the offseason, but apparently they had uh, they were doing wrestling takedown practice. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, Andre Rios wrapped up Altador um, and uh, conceded a penalty in the uh, in the game in their first game. Um, you know, I don't think Daniel Vega is a, a good keeper, and Tommy Thompson is also kind of shit, and he had a really really poor game as a right back, um, which I think bodes well for Minnesota and for attacking on the left hand side. And again, as I mentioned, Magnus Eriksson. He's not really good at soccer anymore. He just blows dudes' shits up. Uh, Dan, you, who sucks? I, this is going to be controversial because he typically plays well against United, but I'm going to say Danny Hosen. Yes, he plays very Four. well against Minnesota United. Uh, but he's, he's incredibly wasteful. Uh, his his uh, XG minus G for last year was one of the worst in the league. Can you explain uh, for what X, yeah, yeah, XG sorry. minus G? So XG yeah. is expected goals, basically. Did you get yourself into an interesting position? Did you shoot? Uh, and there are way, different ways of calculating that. So basically, how many times should you have scored a goal versus how many times you did? Yeah. And uh, statistically speaking, he was incredibly wasteful. Now, that said, he's extremely efficient against United, and if they give him half a chance, he's putting it into the upper 90 because he has a pact with some anti-Minnesota devil. I have to assume <laughs> that him and uh, not his teammate Tommy Thompson, but former Wisconsin governor Tommy Thompson, have uh, just some weird mutual blood pact thing to screw Minnesota. Uh, but it should be noted, uh, San Jose was the only team that United took six points off last year. So yep. it didn't work last year, and it's not going to work <clears> this year. <throat> Fuck you, Danny Hosen. All right, MJ? I'm going to go with uh, former Minnesota United trialist Tommy Thompson. <laughs> He's a, he was a trialist with Minnesota? Yeah. I, for, I forgot about that. Yeah, so, so you know he has Minnesota connections, right? He like... I, for, I guess I'm, I, must have, I must be uh, just have like I'll have blanked to it research out. what the connection... Because he wasn't born here. And I don't think he went to school here, but, oh, but so like his dad or his brother. Yeah, like so he's one of us. So it's the Tom Brady connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a weak Minnesota connection here, but yeah, he was a trialist here before he ended up, I believe, going to play for Indy Eleven for a season. Okay. I, yeah, I, I, I can't remember all the details, but all right, I'll track down my Tommy Thompson uh, Minnesota trialist. But yeah, yeah uh, I think playing out of position. I think he's more of a central midfielder and or attacking player. And they're trying to make him into a wingback or attacking fullback. Uh, looked really, really out of his element this, this past week against Toronto. So I agree with David's analysis. Let's attack that side. I uh, actually came to Blackheart to watch that game on Saturday because I was like, I was like, oh, I'll do some research for the fucking podcast. That's the most research I've done for this fucking podcast ever. Came and sat and I watched. And I sat at the corner of the bar. I had the bartender give me the remotes. I had I had turned the the TV that's up right above the. Um, the dartboards to like face out, so I said uh, I had the, the that game on, and then when the five o'clock game, so the FC Dallas game came on, I turned that on, and then when this game went to halftime, I flipped on the uh, RSL Orlando City game and wanted to kill myself. Um, so I was watching. <laughs> I watched a lot of MLS soccer this weekend. The most I've ever, I probably the most I've ever done since probably opening day last year, honestly. And uh, I made a note to myself on my phone that Tommy Thompson got subbed off in like the 63rd minute, which is not good for your defender to get subbed off. That's kind of the position where you should probably go the full 90. Maybe he won't start. You know, we won't be able to tack down his side because he won't be on the pitch. But I don't like think, said, they, I I think don't, he's playing, being played way out of, way I out of position. I don't think they have anybody to put in his place. I think that's the that's kind of the problem. And whoever they put in is going to be equally as bad, if not worse. So, All right, so let's uh, enough about that. Um, how should United play them? Um, Dan, uh, what's your game plan against San Jose? So Matisse Almeida brought in uh, the high press to MLS last year. They were one of the only teams that was pressing as aggressively as they do. Um, and, and, it, and man marking on, on defense. Yep, and man marking. And 
it really messed up a lot of teams. United was actually one of a very, very select handful of teams that broke it once uh, once San Jose got their feet under him. It should be pointed out, they were terrible at the beginning of last season. Um, well, no one, I don't think anyone was properly fit, like in proper fitness yet, and it was a brand new system that... And also, to, be, to point out, the guy who did not play this week, when they brought Florian Youngworth back into the system... They actually started winning games. Right, exactly. Like Florian Youngworth. Point. Yeah, me and me and Martin have like a hard on for Florian Youngworth. We want that guy in Minnesota so fucking bad. But the thing that United did extremely well to break the press was dribble when there was space. And it's actually what Toronto yes. did really well as well. Basically why Box which is why Boxo had to score a fucking goal. Which is why Boxo gave us one of the quotes of the year last year, which was I don't even remember it may have been Youngworth that he was talking about. Said he looked up and saw a gigantic Kiwi coming towards him, and I don't think he wanted any part of that. Which, yeah, valid. And to your point earlier, Daniel Vega isn't that good a keeper. So if you can put the defense on their heels and force Vega into some interesting saves, he's not the type of keeper who's going to single-handedly win a game. So, honestly, it's it's on guys like Boxall. This could be a game where we see Jan Gregus with six, seven, eight take-ons, which is not really what you want your eight doing, typically. But if they can break down, uh, break down that midfield, they should have some joy against the back line. I'm going to just piggyback and uh, on what Dan said, you have to look around before you get the ball, know where your space is, know where your safety is, but not only know where to dribble, but know where you can pass. If you can pass the ball quick against a man-marking system and keep possession, you know that will also help break the press. So both dribbling to space and knowing where your passes are, you know, and just heads up dribble, and I, I, I think they win. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, I, yeah, 100% agree with all that. And I think one of the things we, we saw, especially with that Toronto game, um, is we don't want to allow set pieces close to uh, close to your box because they have some, you know, for all... Alanis. Yeah, Alanis has, uh, has uh, with literally like the last kick of the game against Toronto, um, put the ball in the back of the net and, uh, and won a game. So um, All he wants to do is have some fun. <laughs> he wants just to- can't let him. <laughs> That's Cheryl Crow. God damn it. <laughs> you know what? Hold on. This is this is part of the long-running bit because Cheryl Crow's Canadian. <laughs> and I can't tell Canadians, can't Canadians apart. Can't tell Canadians apart, huh? God yeah, damn it. it You're a Canadian that, racist. I, apparently. Uh, it should be pointed out that Endo's foul at the end of that game was one of the worst yes, non-red card bad. fouls I've ever seen. It was and really honestly, bad. I really, really wish that that foul were consistently given as a red. But if a guy blows by you and you throw out a fist and you hit him in the throat, you should get fucked for two games. Yeah. Like that can't be something that MLS is like, no, nah, actually that's that's just a professional foul. That's oh, that's unsporting behavior, which is like what actually the card names are. Yeah. So like that's just hot bullshit right there. And Minnesota doesn't play Toronto this year. No, we do so not. So Dan cannot heckle Endo, you know, go to a Minnesota United game. You you have to fly to Toronto to to go to one of their games and heckle Endo. Go to Chicago. Them. I, yeah, Chicago, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely willing to do both of those things. There's a place in Toronto called Pizza Pizza, and I just find that hysterical. <laughs> also, they have the only officially licensed Garfield Cafe. So, you know, put put that one on your bucket list, awesome. boys. Good to know. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, Matisse Almeida's hair and how fucking glorious <laughs> it is. Um, I just don't think that that weird... Uh, so I was, I was, when I was watching the game, it's it's a mullet, but it's like it's it's less of a mullet now. Like, last year was much more mullety. Like... And he has bangs, but the bangs are yeah. like not prop, like they're not like evenly cut. So like, like you'd see him and he's just running up and down the sideline. Like, you know, he's got like it kind of looks like like my kid's like hair with like bangs. Like he just like it's not straight. And he's got so he's got like 
hair sticking in like one eye. So I can't really tell if he can like actually properly see. Um, it's flow that flows. It's you know. flow that flows is a really great way to describe it. It yeah. is. You know, we, there's a lot of words for hair, and God, <laughs> Minnesota hockey fans know that better than anyone else in the world. It's flow, it's salad, yeah. it, whatever. That is flow. That yeah. is very distinctly flow. It's, uh, it definitely has a lot of, it definitely has some like hockey hair vibes, to, sort sort of stuff going for it. it Except looks, it's not bleach blonde. It, right, but it's also like, uh, it looks weirdly wet. Yeah. Which when you take off a hockey helmet, it sort of makes sense. With Matias Almeida, it makes notably Ooh. less sense because well, it's not no, that it, warm in San Jose. Yeah. Whatever product he is using, sh- you know, San Jose needs to get a sponsorship or something involved with that. Whatever yeah. hair product he's using, that's I don't, a sponsorship opportunity. Yeah, I don't that's think a straight up mane and tail look, boy. Yeah, I don't think he's using any product. So, all right, <laughs> who wins? Uh, I'm gonna go. For, I think I think Minnesota United wins. I think it's a. I think it's three two. I think it's a high scoring game, um, back and forth, and I think we end up winning three to two. I also think United's gonna win this. Um, I'm less confident in San Jose's ability to get goals. Uh, I think United is going to benefit quite a bit from having played the press in Portland. Now, granted, it's not the exact same with a man marking, but it's going to be close. Uh, and even despite Ike's uh, adventures and maybe Boxy not being quite as efficient as, as we might like him to be, and Chase Gasper, we have not talked about Chase Gasper, despite the fact that you hate him, and I'm starting to come around to that. Uh, he did not <laughs> I don't, particularly good I don't hate Portland. Chase Gasper. I just think they're significantly better options on the, at left back, and we the fact that we do not even consider another option... It's annoying, and I think Raheem Edwards is going to win his job eventually. That's fair. But point being, all four in the back line had not their best games, and they still shut down a much, much better attack than San Jose is going to be able to throw at them. MJ? For similar reasons, I I think Minnesota United wins, but you know, not only do I not think San Jose is going to get two goals, I think Minnesota United win 2-1. Look at us, a bunch of fucking optimists here. This is bad. This is bad, bad this, omen. This is really bad. This is a bad, this is bad the type omen. This is game where Amaria and Opara go one-on-one and both end up with torn ACLs and concussions. Uh, one Bill, of us, one Bill, of us has got to be a hater. Yeah, Bill, Bill are you hating Bill, for Bill, us? Bill, Bill's going to throw a little bit of cold water. He says 2-2. Two, two. Damn. 2-2. <laughs> two, two. Um, all right. So we'll talk about last week. Um, I forgot to like note who did well on, on these picks. Um, we'll just go through these games a little bit. Um, Colorado. Went in and shocked uh, DC United two to one. Wow! And, and uh, I, yeah, th- I was were like trying to figure out why the hell this was the first game of the of the season, and it's because they they were original original teams. So that is that's the reason. It's like someone figured it out and threw it up in one of the in the the one of the slacks that we're in. I was like, oh, oh sh- shit, that sucks. Um, also, but another game that was decided on the last kick of the game. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of hair, uh, Robin Fraser's facial hair. Ro- I didn't Rob- see it. Robin Fraser's beard, uh, you know, it's it's not it's the complete opposite of a Nat Borchers, you know, level, you know, Portland beard. This this is a nice trimmed tight beard uh, and and then not completely bald shaved, just a little bit of stubble on on on, on the top of the hair, but like a ni- Nice shaved on the on the top head, yeah. Yeah. So this good, is good, good hair game for Robin. This Frazier. is quickly becoming a, uh, a hair suit uh, pot, uh, MLS <laughs> hair suit podcast. Um, I was really fucking pissed when I saw Gio Savarese, and he did have his beard. Right, right. Well, so we all know the, the we all know the mythology around Samson and Delilah, right? So yeah, you know, Gio saves his beard. Portland can't win at home. I'm just throwing that out there. 
I'm totally. Well, they couldn't beat us it. with he, they couldn't beat us with his beard uh, at home either <laughs> this, this year. Also, we didn't talk about this, and uh, we should spin a mic to Bill because I'm going to put this to him. Could you guys hear in the in the preseason game every time Nat Borchers talked, you could hear his beard rubbing against his mic. <laughs> his SM58. Yeah. <laughs> it like it was just like it sounded like he was talking through a fog, and I was like, "What the hell is wrong with his? Oh my gosh, it's, he can't get a clear AMS, contact with a, his mic." AMSR for uh, for the soccer. <laughs> Soccer Mar is Nat Borcher's beard. You you do know that he brings his own mic to the <laughs> No, no, this is news to me. It's from a rock club and he, he allows other rock singers to sing through it and it's a uh, it's a precious mic to him and he brings his own SM sure SM fifty eight. Like I'm all for having a bit, but that's a that's a little weird, man. <laughs> Uh, For those that don't know, the Shure SM58 is kind of your standard uh, condenser mic, right, Bill? Yeah. It's a rock mic. (laughs) Uh, All right. uh, Macho Impact beat New England 2-1. The Dynamo. uh, No, 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 no. No, no, no. This podcast is now a Thierry Henry stand Oh, that's right. I forgot. You have, you have the floor, Dan. Yes. I, uh, I'm not Arsenal take, fan Dan. Yeah, I'm not taking up a ton of time with this. But Thierry Henry's uh, coaching stint at Monaco was an abject disaster. Through three games with Montreal, it couldn't be more different. He played extremely convincingly in both of the CCL ties. Going up against New England, and yes, uh, Gustavo Bull, I think, was out for New England. Either, either him or Carlos Hill. I can't keep, uh, keep those yeah. guys straight. Three-letter last names. Killing me. Um, also, we got a uh, shout-out Max Arudi for the outside-the-box chipped game winner. Yeah. Which then Beautiful somehow, goal. Which was somehow not up for goal of the week, and I think that's a travesty. But uh, honestly, if Thierry Henry can figure out how to get Montreal playing consistently, um, they've got some really dynamic attackers. He's got the defense playing in some really, really good order. That's a franchise and a fan base that has been crying out, not even just for, for success, but for relevance. Are you ready to say, though, that that Henri and Montreal finish higher in the table than Bruce Arena and New England. Man, that's that's tough. Um, after week one, I'm just throwing that out there. I can't do it after week one just because, I mean, there were some weird games. Colorado, Colorado, Chicago gave Seattle a great game. I don't think those teams are similar at all. So give me, give me a couple more weeks, but... Uh, it's not, it's not that far-fetched, and before the CCL games, I, I would have said that that was absolutely asinine. All right, the Dynamo uh, drew with the LA Galaxy 1-1. Um, Ramirez came on as a sub, uh, and uh, yeah, Gal- LA Galaxy got our... Contreras no- was injured, right? He was not in the 18? Yeah, Contreras was not in the 18. Uh, Galaxy, their, their defense is so fucking bad. So bad. Um, the aforementioned San Jose Earthquakes, they drew uh, with Toronto FC 2-2 on the, again, last kick of the game. Uh, another uh, match I watched: FC Dallas and Philadelphia. FC Dallas beat Philadelphia two to nothing. Which and yeah, I just yeah, go ahead. This this shows how deep the West is and how bad the East is this year because Philadelphia is, in my opinion, one of the top teams in the East. Yeah, and Dallas is a middling team in the West. Uh, uh, yeah. So Denik Andrasik is going to be one of those sneaky guys. I don't think he's going to challenge for the golden boot, but he could easily be an 18, 19, 20 goal scorer. And he'll, I mean, he he, he scored the, the first goal for Dallas in this game. Uh, Paxton Pomichael scored the, or Pomichael, sorry. He has a, who has a, a, a fabulous mustache. Talk about uh, your hair suit men. Um, which we literally should, just, we should have a segment on uh, best, uh, best facial hair, best hair of the, of the week. 
We um, should, I mean, it's going to be Thomas Shakur I mean, every week of the I mean, plays, pa- Yeah, so. I mean, Pomico, <laughs> the, if, if you haven't seen Paxi Pomico's um, wispy mustache thing, like, please Google that. It is fucking terrible. On a scale from one to the Little League World Series, where does he fall on that? <laughs> Very much closer to the Little League World Series than he is to, uh, to a one, so... Uh, speaking of the game that made me want to blow my own brain out, um, Orlando City 0, Real Salt Lake 0. No one saw that one coming. I'm so glad I didn't watch this game. I think I tweeted out when I was watching it. I turned on, uh, like, I literally, I switched at the halftime of San Jose, Toronto. I switched the ESPN Plus to uh, the bar here to Orlando RSL. And, of course, what did Orlando do? As soon as I turned it over, they fucked up in the box. And I was like, oh, it's good to have MLS back in my life, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nashville uh, won, Atlanta United 2. Um, probably the, the biggest story from this game is that Martinez uh, is out uh, for the season with a torn ACL. Um, just terrible, terrible news for Atlanta. But really good for my prediction of Atlanta United not making the playoffs this year. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's a huge blow for the league. Uh, Joseph Martinez is a legit star, even if I don't totally understand why. I find him personally off-putting, but that may just be an Atlanta thing. Um, taking that aside and objectively speaking, Atlanta is very well position to absorb this injury not that losing the golden boot winner is ever easy but pulling pity martinez up into that top spot it gives them some availability whether they want to sign a new attacker and keep pity where he is whether they want to move him and sign someone into that position this was a good attack and losing martinez hurts a lot but this is they were by no means a one-trick pony that's true also for those of you who want to pray for Joseph Martinez. Those of you that are are praying fans out there, just remember you don't go down on two knees, only one. (laughs) That's long set up for that joke, but we'll take it. Uh, (laughs) Vancouver uh, lost, of course they did, to Sporting Kansas City, 3-1. Columbus uh, beat NYCFC 1-0. The less said about this game, the better. Uh, Red Bulls um, beat FC Cincinnati, uh, which we expected, but not by this scoreline of 3-2. Close game. Yeah. Uh, LAFC, or sorry, Seattle Sounders uh, beat the uh, uh, um, Calvo standing around on defense and not giving a shit dot gif, uh, two to one. He was responsible. <laughs> Seattle scored, uh, they actually scored three goals in this one. One was ruled offside because of VAR, uh, via VAR. Was Omsberg in the 18? Omsberg, I don't believe he, so. He was in the 18. Oh, he was in the 18. He, he, didn't, he didn't play. Calvo was at, at fault for, in some capacity, <laughs> for all three goals that Seattle scored, specifically for two, the, the VAR one and the first goal. He des- wasn't necessarily at fault for the second goal, but he was like he also just Wait, fucking stood there and didn't the do jack score shit. Just two to one? It was two to one. There was okay. a goal. There was a Seattle goal that was chalked off. Oh, okay, yeah. That he would. That he would. That he was literally like the reason why they scored the fucking goal. Um, he uh, and he definitely, uh, yeah, definitely for the, the second goal. Um, if he would have just. So the, I can't remember who the who the guy who the uh, it was an offset piece, of course, because it's fucking Calvo. Um, the guy was making a run. And there's a, there's a, 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 another Chicago defender trailing him, but Calvo standing in the middle of the box and doesn't fucking move. Like if he just if he takes like three steps to the ball, he gets to the ball first, and see, and Jordan Morris doesn't score the goal. But of course he doesn't fucking move, and Calvo standing around not giving a shit on defense. Gif, um, just pumped that shit straight into my veins. Uh, LAFC beat Inter Miami one nothing. The uh, the we'll talk about this in a second. Um, well then no, let's just do this. Portland one, Minnesota United three. Let's talk about the biggest week one surprises, and I'll start. Um, the uh, expansion teams um, acquitting themselves pretty well. They really did. Uh, both of them were dealt extremely brutal week one hands in Atlanta and LAFC. One goal games. One goal games, and they looked 
reasonable. Nashville, Nashville's going to be a weird team this year. So I, I'll just point out, because when I saw their, I was talking to Wes, uh, when I saw the lineup that they put out, or I can't remember who I was talking to Wes, but I was talking to somebody, I was like, now, like the, the lineup that they have out there, they have like, they had Godoy, Eric Miller, uh, a bunch David of players. Tom. Yeah, David Com. A bunch of players like, that if you would have told me, in, in, like if that lineup, if we transport that lineup to 2017, like, or we take the 2017 versions and give those to Minnesota, we're not shitty. Yeah, um, no, that's a great lineup. And I was just like, this is, this would be the perfect lineup for a 2017 expansion team, <laughs> not a 2020 expansion team. But they're going to be, I think Nashville's, they're definitely, they're not going to be FC, FC Cincinnati. They're not going to um, be so disorganized to give up so many fucking goals. Um, I think they'll be in a lot of games. They're not going to lose games. Seven to one, like like FC Cincinnati did uh, last year. And if you look at that geographical region that they're in, that really is their goal, right? To be better than FC Cincinnati. Yeah, it's certainly one of them. The thing that surprises me about Nashville's roster construction is you—it's a bunch of guys almost tip to tail that have had that are about average. That you're not mad when they're in the lineup, but you can't rely on them to win games. I think Eric Miller is actually like the dead perfect example of this. He was totally fine for Minnesota United. Local boy, fun to watch. You knew he wasn't going to be the best player on the pitch by any stretch of the imagination, but you were also pretty sure he wasn't going to lose you the game. Wasn't well, going to fuck up and yeah, cost you a match. Right. I mean, he's not he's not Calvo for crying out loud. Walker Zimmerman's the one guy on that team that you're going, okay, if it comes down to it, he can probably win you the game. But other than that, especially up top, they are really counting on guys who had one phenomenal season. <laughs> well, David, David Akam, Akam yeah. Abu Dhabi, <laughs> uh, who they subbed on. Uh, Walker Zimmerman scored their, their, their one goal, too. So Right, exactly. <laughs> so they're going to be weird this season. I think they're consistently going to look good and lose. Yeah. And I don't know what the value of that is. That's fair. Uh, keeping your fan base. Yeah. I mean, well, like, keeping interest in, in, in your local fan base. What, uh, what are the biggest big week one surprises you guys have? My, my big surprise, uh, Columbus over New York City. Granted, Columbus was at home. But and NYCFC got a second minute red card. Yeah, the second or third minute red card. So they were playing with ten men like for so eighty eight minutes. Not a surprise after the second minute, but going into this game on paper, you you pick New York City to win to win away. Uh, congrats to everybody in the Save the Crew hashtag. Yeah. Uh, biggest surprises to me were the the lack of gulf between the teams that we expected to be really good and the teams that we expected to be really bad. Um, you know, you look at LAFC and Seattle, and uh, we kind of expected them to absolutely roll uh, the guys that they were playing. And I think, if I recall my own words from last week, I think I said I would have taken Seattle at five or six to one over Chicago. And Chicago bossed huge sections of that game. And, uh, you know, I don't think you can attribute this just to Rust because Seattle has two games under their belt already, as does LAFC, yeah. in a way that the expansion tides uh, and Chicago didn't. Um, you know, it's really easy to look at some of these sides and say, well, they're just going to be really bad. And I think we may have overestimated just how good the good teams are and how bad the bad teams are. Cool. All right. Um Let's do our week two picks, uh, and then we'll uh, we have a, I think we have one question, and we'll get out of here. Uh, so we have the uh, uh, first match: New England versus the uh, standing around, not giving a shit on defense. Uh, dot gift Calvos, otherwise um, known as the Chicago Tire Fire, <laughs> and the Chicago Tire Fire. I have uh, New England winning this game two to one. New England uh, also two to one. I also have this game two to one. Which oh, means it's fucking not going to be. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, RSL hosts the New York Red Bulls. Um, I have a one-one draw. I think this is a boring ass game. It will be a boring-ass game. I have New York Red Bulls pulling out 0-1. to one. 
I have uh, RSL actually finding the back of the net twice and beating the Red Bulls 2-1. to one. Damn. All right, FC Dallas hosts the Montreal Impact uh, at home. I have FC Dallas winning 2 nothing, just like last week. I have the same goal differential, but FC Dallas uh, winning 3-1. This is a 1-1 draw for me. All right, DC United hosts Inter-Miami. Uh, I have a, Actually, Inter-Miami winning this game. I think DC United is not good. Um, I think they are not good, and we, I think, were bamboozled by last year and Wayne Rooney. I think Inter-Miami gets their first win. I have DC United eking out a 1-0 win. I have uh, Inter-Miami winning 3-1. I think DC misses Paul Areola more than they think they do, and yeah. I think once they get that piece sort of figured out, they'll be better, and the East is so forgiving this year, they are still going to make the playoffs. All right, Toronto FC hosts NYCFC, and I have a 2-1 Toronto win. 1-0 Toronto. I got this as 2-2. Toronto did not look all that convincing against San Jose, and NYCFC is better. Atlanta United versus FC Cincinnati. I have, F I have Atlanta United winning 14-0. Wait, we'll say that again? 14-0. I have Atlanta winning 3-1. I have Atlanta winning 1 to nothing, considering they just lost their striker. All right, we both we all had Minnesota winning. Um, I had a 3-2 victory. Um, what would you have, Dan? I had 2-0. MJ, what did you have for Minnesota United? 1-2. Uh, 1-2. to And then uh, Bill had a 2-2 draw. Uh, Sporting Kansas City hosts the Houston Dynamo. I have uh, Sporting Kansas City win this game 3-1. I have Sporting Kansas City winning 2-1. I have Sporting Kansas City winning 3-2. All right. Colorado hosts Orlando City. Um, is Colorado good? Yes. They were. As, I mean, as no, as but better coach. I don't know. I have them winning 2-1. I have them winning 2-0. I have them winning 1-0. Uh, Seattle Sounders host the Columbus Crew. I have uh, Seattle Sounders winning 2-1. to one. I have Seattle winning 2-0. I have this as a 1-1 draw. I think Columbus is better than we said they were going to be. All right. Uh, LA Galaxy hosts Vancouver. I have them winning, in spite of their defense, 4 to nothing. I have them winning 3 to nothing despite their defense. The underlying stats for Vancouver last week were shockingly good. Uh, they connected passes really well. They didn't finish superbly. But, boy, LA Galaxy's defense can make teams look good. So I have this as a 2-2 draw. All right. You have a lot of draws, man. There were a lot of draws this week. I have Portland versus Nashville next, and I have, uh, I have this is a 1-1 draw. I have Portland versus Nashville being 1-0 in favor of Portland. It would have been a lot higher if you asked me two weeks ago. I think Portland gets their legs under them and routes Nashville 3-1. All right, and then finally, LFC versus Philadelphia. I have LFC winning 3-1. I have LFC winning by the same goal differential, but 2-0. I also have 2-0. All right. What is outside the Minnesota United game? What is the of, of these matches? What's like the one that you're most looking forward to watching? Um, if you had to gun to your head, watch an uh, MLS match. I'm watching Dallas and Montreal. Both of those teams impressed me a lot in week one. They both have a bunch of players that could kind of go either way this season. Dallas skews young. They always do. Um, Zdenek Andrasik is fun to watch. And also, he'll fight people on the field, which is, yeah. like, it's a great, you know, for a team that's super young, and he's definitely the, the old-stayed vet, you definitely want that guy to have a little bit of an edge to him. So yeah. I think that's going to be a great game, even if it is just a 1-1, 1-1 draw. But I'll watch the hell out of that game. I think Sporting Kansas City-Houston could be a really fun game to watch. Absolutely. Alan Polito looks really good. I mean, granted, he looked really good against Vancouver. Um, so we'll see what a slightly better defense, uh, how good he looks. But I think that could be a fun match to watch. That could be their, their answer at number nine that they've been looking for. So. Which they've been looking for since they had Dom fucking Dwyer on the team. So, <laughs> MJ, uh, what's your most fun game to watch? I'm going to mention two. Uh, just for the uh, East, you know, interest, the two top teams in the East, Toronto versus New York City FC. Could be an interesting game. And then also two teams that love to attack, love to possess, to me play really beautiful interesting, entertaining, attacking football, LAFC versus Philadelphia. 
Cool. And then uh, the Orlando City Memorial, uh, you couldn't make me watch this game. I would eat cyanide first. Uh, it's Orlando City, obviously, all, of, all the time. But um, <laughs> if it wasn't Orlando City, I would go with DC United Inter Miami. Um, you know, they don't. Inter Miami is still, I think, actually. Right now, I've seen uh, or Nashville is a little ahead in terms of like their roster building. I think Inter Miami is going to look really good once they bring in, bring in one more DP and attacking uh, to go with Pizarro. Um, but yeah, I think that DC United Inter Miami game is going to be boring as shit. It, it will be boring as shit, but you know, if you like pop culture, you know, sideline like celebrity stuff, it'll be great because at, at LA, someone showed up, held up a sign for. Uh, Inter Miami that just says, I'm only here for Posh Spice. So, you know, you'll get theatrics like that. The, the direst game of the week is definitely that Orlando City game, which, <laughs> yeah, you could not pay me to watch. The other one that I think looks absolutely atrocious is Atlanta and FC Cincinnati. Um, there's just there's no incentive for Cincinnati to do anything but park the bus. And Atlanta may not quite have their attack underneath them yet. Uh, I think they'll win, but I think it's going to be just an absolute slog. All right. And then I'm going uh, to throw, since I didn't say it, but my, my game that I'm going to avoid is LA Galaxy versus Vancouver. Not because I don't think it will be an entertaining game, but because unless you are a fan of either team, there's no reason to watch this game. Fair. All right. Uh, we have one question. Uh, Rodrigo asked top five uh, head coaches' attires during MLS opening weekend. So, um, and then someone else, uh, Dave, David Naylor, piped in that there's probably two uh, at the Portland Timbers Minnesota United game. I don't think Inchi has ever really looked good on the sideline. I like that coat, man. I, the coat's good. I, I appreciate that he doesn't fucking like like phone it in with track tracksuit style. No, but uh, I'm just gonna throw out there. So, I, Gio Savarisi's got really good fucking, really good fucking style. Yeah. Um, Tab Ramos looked fucking nice, like. May go, you know, go gay for that guy. Um, just I really loved Todd Ramos for a long time, um, and obviously, you know, Matias Almeida looks like you know he could be like out of a Dragon Ball Z like uh, cartoon um, at all times. Um, yeah, do you guys have any any other uh, any other nominations? I've already uh, sung the praises of of Colorado's Robin Frazier. I think he has a great beard game, beard game and a he good hair game to go along with it, even though it's very very tight. Danny, anyone you want to throw in? I'm not, I'm not really going to add too many, but uh, if we're going to start doing this on a weekly basis, we're going to hit about June, and it, it's going to be June in Dallas and Houston, and our choices are going to be who looked less awful in a sweated-out polo and shorts. What so is let's, let's cut this segment after like a month. Like so, I'm here for like four weeks yeah, of it, so but there, it's going to get real ugly. There are some, there are some then we should switch it to the worst dress. There are, some, there are some attractive uh, attractive men that play soccer. Um, Thierry Henry is an attractive man. What was what was his uh, what was his style like track on tracksuit? Uh, well, no, so, so track pants and then uh, kind of a tightish hoodie, cut off sleeves. Yeah. It's not a bad look. It's a remarkably stylish Interesting. track suit. Interesting. Okay. Uh, a very Terry uh, Henri look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rodrigo, if you want to write that, uh, we we actually have a website where you could actually write shit if you want to write up the uh, each week uh, doing the top five. Uh, and, and best the, dresser. Yeah, top five and then and worst five uh, MLS coaches for the week. Um, Bill had a question uh, that he, he, he just do it in the mic. All right, guys. I want to know how long do we hold the supporter shield? <laughs> Minnesota currently uh, in the lead, right? Because we because ha we have three goals. Um, so yeah, uh, I think uh, all of whatever a week is, <laughs> or six days. Because uh, yeah, I think before uh, 
before the end of the weekend, we are uh, we are not uh, holding the Sporter Shield, mostly because I think there's going to be some blowout games this weekend. I think we do. I mean, I think they. I think United's got a good chance of boat racing San Jose. I deeply hope that they do. Um, I think, and you look, the Red Bulls made uh, Cincinnati look entirely competent, so which is dangerous. You should not be doing that. Uh, I think they could hold it all the way through the home opener. Oh, all right, MJ. Uh, I'm gonna say that they we we go through San Jose, maybe still be top of the table or at least have two wins, and after that, you know, probably not. All right, coward. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay, I just add to this. You look at piggybacking what Dan said. You look at our schedule. After we play the San Jose Earthquakes away, we play New York at home, Montreal Impact at home, San Jose at home. LA Galaxy at home. And that Montreal game is right after a CCL tie for them. That's so correct. That four, is correct. Four home games in a row. Yeah. Uh, just uh, as a reminder, I don't know if this has been uh, announced yet, so maybe I'm just blowing up people's spots. But uh, the Rebels and Vikings Army, or sorry, Vikings Army and uh, Dark Clouds, TNE, the Wonderwall are going to be hosting a night before party uh, with the uh, Vikings Army. Apparently, there's going to be a lot of uh, Red Bulls fans that are coming to Allianz uh, for the home opener. Um, this will be the Friday night, the night before at East Lake. Pi day. Yeah, 314. Pi, yeah, 314. Um, it's going to be at East Lake Brewing, uh, which makes really good beers, if you, especially if you like sours. Uh, they make really good sours, so I don't. I think it's is been officially announced yet, but yeah, it has. Okay, website. okay, is cool. The one in Midtown. Yes, yes it is. yeah, it's in Midtown, Midtown, Midtown Global Market. Uh, you can hop on the twenty-one, so you can uh, drink as many uh, uh, Kirby Puckers as you want. Yeah, and eat Taco Cat. Yeah, they'll be Taco Cat's giving twenty percent off and doing a free chips and dip bar. So yeah, so this that's is gonna be a awesome. fucking show. You should show. It's gonna be really cool. Um, but yeah, you can always find us. Uh, rate and review us, please, wherever you listen to this uh, fun, awesome podcast. Um, uh, dudestouchingbutts.com please go there uh, please uh, leave comments um, enjoy uh, pictures of me I'm gonna probably try to do like a picture a day I have I got a, I got a backlog of pictures I have to get one with Bill tonight before we leave um, patreon.com backslash Dave's I know don't forget uh, to show up on if you already are a patreon member or if you um, want to become a patreon member on Saturday um, we are gonna be doing I'll put, put out details on the Twitter as well um, we'll be doing a, a first sort of round of a beer giveaway. Um, again, just become a member of the Patreon. Um, or if you already are a member, just uh, you comment. I'll have my computer and just double check everything. Um, at, T-D- at TDIKMN on Twitter, at Texas Zeller, at DWaite, at MJ Matsui, at Bill underscore McGuire. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for participating, everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Um, we've, been the Dave's, we've been the Dave's You Know. This is the Dave's I Know. As you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son.